1 Corinthians chapter 12 is lengthy, as most of the chapters in this book, especially the latter half. Um, we talked last week about spiritual gifts in general, um, the unity, the diversity. Paul's like, hey, I want you guys to know about this. I don't want you to be ignorant about it. Um, we, we talked at length about that, like how God uses differing people, different giftings, diversities. And diversity is an interesting word because many of you guys who work for big companies, you have diversity training, don't you? Can't wait for diversity day uh, for you to, for somebody to tell you that people, some people come from other places. Like, really, this is fascinating. Um, it, corporate America is interesting. Uh, on a lot of levels. But we talked about that a little bit last week. But we're going to get into the spiritual diversity, the fact that people are made with different giftings and the giftings are for the church. First and foremost, they are to build up the church. That's the number one thing we need to understand about this chapter, that wherever you are, if you are in Christ, the Spirit of God has enabled you to do something for the church. It might be, it might be something you're not aware of. You might have taken a spiritual gifts test uh, online. And those are interesting. They're not exhaustive. They're not the only things. Um, Paul does throughout scripture in this book and Ephesians, he tells us what some of those gifts are, but sometimes you're just ministering to people and it, it's like, you don't know how it's happening. You don't know, you haven't really exerted like a physical effort or you haven't really like studied much about whatever's going on, but it's happening. And that's the spirit of God. He's using you to uh, spiritually build somebody up, to enable somebody, to help somebody, to pray for somebody, whatever that is. Um, there's a lot, I, I think sometimes we want, like it's spelled out like an outline. There's 64 gifts and you all have at least one or two or three of all the six. No, like the spirit of God is not like limited to what's on this page. I mean, the word of God is like, it's a long book for us, but it's nothing in compared to who God is. And so we have to understand the diversities. What we're talking about this morning is the diversity of giftings, the diversity of people in the church, people in the church that are great at this or great at that, and how that comes together, how God weaves that, how he sews it together, how he uses it to build up the body of Christ in his way. I want to read the definition of diversity as, as it pertains to Webster's and like what, what you guys might have read before, because some of it does pertain to this. It's the condition of having or being composed of differing elements, variety, especially the inclusion of people of different races, cultures in a group or organization, an instance of being composed of differing elements or qualities, an instance of being diverse. <clears throat> when we all get into heaven, there will be tongues, like lots and lots of languages that you have probably never heard singing collectively. There will be people that come from a back. You're like, you lived where? Like, how did you come to Christ? Like a testimony that just blows your mind. Um, I told you guys last week, Shannon and I were watching this. Um, it was a three hour video of this guy from Uganda who was literally, I love the term warlock because we just don't use that term anymore. Um, but it's a witch. Um, but we, we hear the word warlock a lot more in the King James, but he was a witch in uh, Uganda, and this guy did crazy stuff and then went into the occult and was like in this hierarchy. And he, they had meetings, like they literally had like 
a, like a meeting at a hotel and they said, we need to go to this place and do these things and try to get these college students into horrible sins and to basically shackle them, basically to, to uh, get them so weighed down with horrible things that we own them. And they literally had meetings about this. Like you might have an MLM meeting at a, at a Holiday Inn. I'm not even kidding. This is crazy stuff. And he goes through all this and he tells you, like so many people have no idea about any of this stuff. And how he got saved blows me out of the water. You guys will have to watch it because I don't have time to get into it because I'll waste the rest of our time talking about it. It's so great. But read uh, verse 12, uh, Paul says, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ. Probably going to spend the majority of the time in this verse of all of us. We have tons to get to, but it, 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 we do start to move quickly uh, once we get through all this. <clears throat> the body of Christ. Human beings have an actual physical body that is comprised of differing elements, functions, parts, organs. We, we know all this. We've been to health class. We understand this. In this case, we're talking about professing Christians that are a part of the collective, but that they have the, the body of Christ, the assembly, his church is a group. Now, this is a small fellowship. This is a small group of people in the collective, in the millions of Christians that are around the world meeting and worshiping as we speak around this globe. We are all part of the same group. This is just a smaller group of people of that collective. So as the body is one, all of us are one in Christ's body. It has many members. There's a lot of churches have membership. Okay. You, you sign a thing, you read kind of the church's uh, bylaws and you, you agree with them and you're like, okay, I'm a member of this church. This is where I'm going to go. Um, the body, the, the body of Christ has many, many people that are members of the church, but all the members of that one body being many are one body. Now there's di different denominations and people love to, nowadays they love to fight online about who's right and who's wrong and the heresies of this and that. And this church believes this and that church believes. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about if Christ is king, if Christ is your savior, then you have more in common than you don't with somebody else who says the very, very same thing. The fact that they think you should worship on Saturday is irrelevant. That the fact that they think you should do communion five times in a five Sunday month, and that that's, the, that's a sticking point, that they want to go there, but they know it's not salvation, that's great. Awesome. Uh, God bless you, brother, sister. That's great. We get into so many little things. We split hairs. We, 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 we come at people when we have, a, we have an enemy that wants to destroy us, all of us, down to nothing right outside <laughs> that is working and working. We don't need any friendly fire. Amen to that? So the members, who they are, the members are the individuals. I want to use football considering U of A finally has a team. Okay? Amen. Smoked ASU last, last night, and it was awesome. Um, just the fact that U of A is ranked 14, 15, 16, depending on which poll you read, the fact that they beat Oregon State, I believe, or excuse me, Washington, uh, Washington State, Washington is unbeaten. But I can't remember the last time U of A had a team like this. I honestly can't remember. It's years back. So we're going to use football because football has a lot of people understand the basics, that there's a quarterback, that there's a wide receiver, that there's what, what, what people may not understand is that there's three teams on football. There's the offense, the defense, and the special teams. And special teams is usually a very short duration. They're, they're on the field a very short duration of the 60-minute NFL game. 
But what's interesting about football is that there are more than 50 people on a team, in an NFL team, different heights and weights. Some are as small as five foot six and 160. Some are six foot nine and almost 400 pounds. There's a couple of those guys, and they work together. They're working toward a goal. You would think, oh, five, six, 160 pounds. Like, how can that guy contribute? That guy is faster than my four pound dog, who is like the definition of agility. Like he, he can't be caught by a 400 pound guy, not possible. And so you need guys everywhere in between. And so they all have a specific job. They all have positions, if you will. Like this guy plays quarterback, this guy plays running back, and they're all wanting one thing. They want to win. They want to win the Super Bowl. They want to win eight, 17 games and then go into the playoffs and they want to be unbeaten. He says in verse 13, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all and have all been made to drink into one spirit. I love that. Uh, John, 14, uh, John 4, 14, Jesus said, um, people become thirsty again after drinking regular water. We know this in the desert better than probably anybody, but I, the water I give them takes away thirst altogether. It becomes a perpetual spring, giving them eternal life. That's the spiritual water we're talking about. And so back to this idea of like the football team, you've got a collective, you've got a team, you've got many members of the same team. You've got coaches, you've got trainers, you've got doctors, you've got all these people and they all could be like, well, I'm not the quarterback. So I don't want to, I don't want to work hard. I don't want to play my position because nobody ever looks at the gunner uh, on the special teams or nobody looks at the weird long snapper on special teams um, because he's a weird shaped guy. He's like not big enough to play offensive line, but it's kind of too big and too slow to play wide receiver tight end a lot of times. But they all, when you have a team that's really great, and I mean like a team like like currently like Michigan or or uh, or Washington or in the NFL, somebody like Philadelphia, everybody's working. There's not much division on those teams. When you see a team that's at the way bottom, they're fighting. They're they've lost the coaches lost the locker room. They had many firings this year, uh, both in college and the NFL, because they quote lost the locker room. The players don't buy in. The Christian church buys in to the idea that Christ is king. But they don't often in, walk through that, quote, discipleship world where they're like, I'll do anything. I'll do anything God asked me to do. I don't care if it, if it uh, wounds my pride. I don't care if I don't get noticed. I don't care if people uh, praise me for the gifts that I have and how I display those things because we struggle. It says in verse 14, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand... I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? Now, this is an interesting, when you study the body, and, and obviously scientists and doctors know like a fraction, in my opinion, of, of the true workings of like the cells and like why this is this way. They still don't even know why we have an appendix. Like I just looked that up yesterday. They still have no clue. The best that they can guess is that it has some good bacteria as a backup when you take a bunch of antibiotics and like literally shred all of your stomach bacteria that it, that it can put good bacteria back in there. That's the best they got. 
I asked the guy that took mine out. He goes, we don't even know why that's in there. I'm like, that's really encouraging. Why am I here? It hurts. If it's useless, this really hurts. We got to get this thing out of here. But once again, the football team is many members. There's lots of guys on the team. There's lots of guys in the coaching staff. If you have a, a college roster, an NFL roster, we're talking about like the people that fly to the, the, the city to play a team, that might be 100 people. And they all want one thing. They're all willing. Now, they're paid very handsomely in the NFL for that one thing. But they all want one thing. In the body of Christ, there is one body and millions of members. And our bodies work in unison Many differing parts all work together, billions of cells, many organs that no one can see from the outside. And I love that the organs are just like, they're just, we wake up and they're just working, right? Pancreas is working, hopefully. Um, heart's pumping blood. Uh, lungs are rocking and rolling. But like, you don't wake up and one, like one day you get like a text message from your lung. I'm out. Like, I'm, I'm done. I'm sick of this. Nobody has said anything to me. I've been fighting your cough uh, for six weeks in my case. Um, no, we don't, we don't have that happen to us. Thank God. The organs just like, they all work when they work and when it's working, they work for 70, 80, 90 years for the most part in unison, never taking a day off, never taking the, the stomach and the liver aren't taking like me time. I, I need some me time. I'm off for the week. You have abused me Thanksgiving week, Dan. How much more cake can I process? They quietly do their job. We could learn a lot from our organs. We could learn a lot from how our bodies are put together. That God puts them, like the eyes are amazing, right? But what are you going to do when it's pitch black? You need your ears, you need your fingers. The hands are, are a wonderful thing. But in a track meet, it's all about the feet. It's all about the muscles. They don't complain. They don't go, oh, man, if you win this 50-yard dash, the you're... you're Shoes and your feet are going to be on display and people are just going to forget all about the ear. Nobody puts a little ribbon on the ear. It's not like that. It's, it's, it is a, a submission. The body submits. When we work out, when we uh, exercise, when we do these things, our body, it, 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 it recovers, it heals itself. When we feed it good food, it, it, we usually get better results. It says in verse 18, but now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And this is very important because God gives giftings to you, you guys, me, as he pleases. And we don't necessarily all know what those things are. There's, there are certain people who are like, man, I've been in the church for 40 years. I don't know what my gift is. Well, we got to figure that out. We got to start moving toward knowing what that is so that you can use your gift. Do you realize how many unbelievable revivals, unbelievable stories that you can read are a few precious saints, a lot of times older, sitting in some church basement praying for a revival, praying for the pastor, praying for the missions team, praying for the evangelism that's happening. Like Billy Graham, I got to tell you, in Billy Graham's day, there is no way they didn't have hundreds and thousands of people praying for every single city. I mean, I've heard about some specific stories about how these things happen. Spurgeon's Day, um, the uh, Reformation, the or the um, um, or I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the word, but the revivals, New York City revival from so many years back, started with prayer. Is there any Christian that has like like a relationship with Jesus that can't pray? 
No, there's, there's nobody that can't pray. Everybody can pray. Everybody should be praying. That gift is unsung. That gift is more necessary, maybe now more than ever, with the amount of warfare that we see in our world, with, with the hold the devil has on people right now, to break those things, to deliver people from ills, to deliver people from, uh, from vices that they have. We have never needed more of that. Even if you're like, well, if, if I don't have the gift of evangelism or whatever, I don't know. I can tell you right now, we'll get into it in a second, but prayer if nothing else, to intercede for somebody, to bring somebody before God in your spare time. Huge, huge. And there's some people that have that amazing gift and they do it well. So he says, God has done this. He has set it all inside the body as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head, the feet, I have no need of you. Body doesn't do this to us. Whenever we do have something that goes on where it's like, like, like a problem, like my, for me, my appendix that caused, like, it was so obvious the day that I had mine out. It was so obvious that something was wrong between the pain, between just, I've never fainted in my life other than getting concussed in a football game and hitting a guy and that made sense as to why I was laying on the ground for two or three seconds. But falling and, and fainting when that happened, when, when the, I talked to the surgeon after the fact, he's like, well, yeah, it was, it was this and this and this. It made sense. It made sense to him. But when that happens, that's not the norm. That wasn't the most normal day of my life. It was the worst, like in terms of like organ failure or whatever, you, whatever that thing is. It's like so small. It's not really necessary. But... God sets many members in the body of Christ where he wants them. Some people play musical chairs with church. They just hop, skip, and a jump to the next church and next church and next church, but they don't really dig in. They don't really set down roots. So in their complaint is, well, nobody knows me. Well, it's because you move faster than the wind. That's the problem. You got to stay somewhere for a little while. You got to set down roots so people know you. You can't just walk into the church and be like, hey, by the way, I'm ready to take over children's ministry. And we're like, I thought I saw you on a wanted poster. We got to do a little recon first. We got to see who you are before we're going to hand children over to you. So, and that hasn't happened here, by the way, just so you know, that's why I could say it. Um, But in this case, uh, it's in order for the church to function. Everybody has to do a job. Everybody, um, I talked to you guys last week about the Mexico day last Saturday, how there was like 15 people painting and that painting job, it was a room half the size of this one. It was done in an hour and it would have taken the guy uh, the guy who is at the orphanage, it would have taken him probably days to do it himself. And it, it's just the wind in the sail. Like all of a sudden these people show up and they do this job and it's just done and they put the bunk beds together and it's just done. And it just feels like, oh, thank God. That was so great. That was a small, that was like two hours, but many, many hands, many, many members. They move, they work. It's awesome. And how did people feel when they, had, when they were done with that, they felt fulfilled. They felt used. They felt like, wow. And once again, all I was doing was skateboarding and playing basketball, but I felt the same way. And I think the kids there thought I should be doing that too, not painting. You've seen me paint before. But unfortunately, in the greater church worldwide, many just show up. The church has needs. The church in general has needs that are not being addressed. It also has many feeling unsettled. 
They don't feel like they were, they're were a part of anything. This doesn't happen with the human body. The human body's like, it's like how, how God started uh, the first marriage so that no outside forces could, could affect it. That he's put, he put Adam and Eve together. He married them in the garden. It's, it's like, there's no YouTube. There's no other influences. There's no clubs to go to. There's no golf. There's no, it's like, hey, I need to like, let you guys see this real quick. So in our case, when we see the American church, and, and I, I say that loosely, the American church, I don't even always know what that really means. But I mean like people that are like really trying to engage with God and to learn and to be discipled and to be engaged in church. There's a lot of people that attend that don't feel like, man, I don't feel used. I don't feel like I can, I can use my gift or I don't feel like I can... Um, whatever. I, I, I just feel like I feel an emptiness. I, I go to church, but I feel it's like, well, if you show up and you go to a 65 to 75 minute service and that's it for the whole week, like how, how could that possibly like, you're just sitting here listening. I'm, I'm talking about anybody here, but how, like, of course you're not gonna feel like this is like the vitamin for the week. Like this is not everything. The, the church isn't 75 minutes a week. That's not what the church is. This is a worship service, but many don't feel like they're, they're useful and they feel, I don't know. There's, there's a, there's a, in the last few years, there's definitely, I have seen like a, like, I don't even know if it's a falling away, but it's, there's a, you see a negativity. You see a, well, I don't really go anymore. I've seen that since COVID with, with people, I would have told you never would they stop going to church that I knew from, from years back in this town going to churches that just don't go anywhere anymore. The, the advent of the online service. Hey, look, Zoom's great for corporate business. I don't know that that's a great church option for you. If you're on vacation and you're in the boondocks, great, hop online. But for, for you to sit in your jammies and, and like be like, hey, I just woke up, there's church. All right, back to sleep. I mean, honestly, like what's that gonna really do for your soul to get back to football again? When several teammates take plays off, when you see uh, coaches go, oh, that guy takes plays off, what that generally means is that if the play does not involve them, like a wide receiver, specifically Randy Moss, if you know anything about the NFL, the, the complaint when he was young was that if, he wasn't, if it was a running play, he just stood there. He just literally stood there and did nothing out on the sidelines. And it's like, well, we watch Randy and we know exactly what's going on because we watch him go, eh. he's, like, he's like slumped over like this. It's like, well, you're not engaged. And when the guy runs, like he's faster than anybody. So they know it's not a running play necessarily. So they got to guard everybody. But if that happens, hopefully the coach goes, hey, if you're not going to be part of the collective, and by the way, in those days, Minnesota never won um, when, because they did have issues with people on the team. But when people have a specific job, when they have uh, a, a spiritual gifting and they're using it, the feeling of that, the feeling of being like, I am part of a member, I, I, like I'm, I'm part of a body, but I'm a member of a church. I, I go to a church and I use this gift, whatever that is. If it's children's teaching, if it's uh, cleaning up, if it's administration, if it's helps, if it's, if it's uh, teaching, evangelism, whatever it is. When people are doing that together and building one another up, it's a beautiful thing. But the thing that stops the church faster than anything is offenses, people being offended, people getting offended, that 
you did something, you came in and you decorated something somewhere and somebody else came in and didn't say anything. And you're like, well, I, I, I did this and I, I used my spiritual gift and I went to Ross and I bought a bunch of things and I put them up and nobody said a word. Who were you doing it for? Were you doing it for Jesus? So because you and him know, and he knows what you did, and he will reward those who diligently seek him, and he will reward somebody using their actual gift. Or did you do it for everybody else to notice? The hand doesn't go, you know what? I don't need you, the foot. That, that's not how our bodies work. They don't do that. They don't do that to one another. So uh, in verse, uh, I want to go back really, really briefly. Uh, I want to just read 21 and then, and then into 22. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts, we have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given, having, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it that there should be no schism in the body, that the, that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. This is so important. I love what David Lowry says um, just about the whole, the diversity and all of this. <clears throat> he says, in the diversity of the bodily parts, there was a corresponding mutual dependence a person with a seemingly greater gift should not imagine that he could function alone since a bodily member cut off from the natural body would cease to exist. More importantly, one thought to possess a lesser gift should in fact be accorded greater attention by the other members of the body. Just as in the natural body, special deference in, a, in attention to dress is paid to those body parts deemed less presentable. Possibly Paul was reaching back in thought beyond the immediate discussion of gifts when he referred to the weaker members and less honorable ones who also required special care and consideration. This too was part of God's plan, that the members of the spiritual body would demonstrate a mutual concern for the well-being of others so that the rivalry would cease and genuine unity would exist. There are a lot of gifts that people go, that's not so important. That's kind of small scale. There's these little, little things, these giftings that people have. And like in a company, you might, you might say, uh, well, you know, we have every single person on staff in the company and here are the janitors and here are the guys that fix the lights and uh, here's the electricians. And some people go, well, we never see the plumber. We never see the electrician. Yeah, because they're working all night. When things, when a request comes in to fix something and the next morning the building's working perfect, so you just ignore them. When you see them at the Christmas party, they're all sitting over at the trades table and people, I mean, they're more necessary. Wouldn't you agree? Trades are like some of the most important guys in our, uh, guys and girls in our culture, but nobody, nobody tells it, uh, a teacher in school to be like, hey, we need electricians, plumbers, welders. Like nobody says this, but when you call one right now, it's three weeks before they get to your house. Because they have so much work lined up, and if you don't want to pay their price, guess what? Enjoy the clog in your toilet. Enjoy the fact that your kitchen doesn't work. Enjoy the fact that your lights are are off. 
Everybody, no matter what the, and I, I say that because some of the, over the years, we had some of those people here and they have fixed things and not sent me a bill. And I didn't even know until after the fact, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing to have it like, Hey, yeah, I'm a, I'm a plumber by trade, but I'll take care of that. Don't worry about it. Huge. This is huge. But sometimes people look at like, Oh, well, we have a huge evangelism crusade and we're the worship team and there's 15 of us. And we're like, don't you understand that we have a lot of followers on, on YouTube? People love us. And what you don't understand is that the sound engineer back here that you've never talked to is the only reason why stuff works. The only reason why your mics are turned on because nobody knows how to turn them on except for this guy. And so when you say something to him, he's like, you know what? I think I'm gonna take next Sunday morning off. And they're all up here scrambling because they're like, how do we turn this on? How do we turn our voice machines, a smoke machine, the light machine? How do we turn all that stuff on? I don't know. Why don't you not alienate the guy that does it all for you? That's, there's so much of that. And there was that going on in this church. There were people who were valuing the public people, valuing the tongues people, value of the people that are like, hey, I have the gift of tongues. And, and they'd go up there and they would display that sometimes without interpretation. And I mean, so many things. This, this letter is written to uh, try and put a church back in order that was very much in disorder. But in verse 27, he says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually, group of members, group of collective body of Christ. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. There are a ton of, there's several places in the New Testament where you find these quote gift, gift things written out. Uh, spiritual giftings. <clears throat> it's not exhaustive, like I said, and it's not meant to be. But it's not that when he says first apostles, that that's the number one gift that anybody can have. But it's very hard to have a first century church without apostleship, without a teacher, without somebody who's actually got the prophetic word of God, because these people didn't just have iPhones and Bibles. They didn't, they didn't just like, they didn't have like in this country where they were, I'd be shocked if anybody had much in terms of their own personal scriptures that they had access to. So they had to have these giftings. They had to have people that can step the church, like, like set a mode of like, here's the teachings of God. Here's God's word. Here's what God would have for us as a church. Before we shoot off into the, the self-expression type gifts or the, the gifts like tongues. And like I said, it's not an importance issue. It's an order issue. And so he says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts? And yet I show you a more excellent way. I wanted to chop it off a couple of verses south of that because um, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13 is next week. Um, we'll start that next week where he starts off with basically the greatest gift. Like, what's the greatest gift? You could have all of that stuff. You could be a 10-talent man or woman. You could have, like, man, that person is so spiritually gifted. That person can sing and teach, and they're organized, and they always are helping, and they're a great cook, and there's all these things. And if that person, pardon the, the language, is just a jerk, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. 1 Corinthians 13, read 1 Corinthians 13, read ahead. Because it does not matter how talented you are. 
in the church. You can be a real talent. There's a lot of guys that have been beyond talented on paper and physically in the NFL that never amounted to anything because their ego was so big they couldn't the, the team couldn't handle that ego. And it's like, wow, what a waste of talent. You were arguably the fastest guy. I go back to Randy Moss. Randy Moss was maybe, in my opinion, maybe the most talented naturally wide receiver ever. But the first few years of his career in Minnesota, it was it was just issue after issue after issue because he didn't let the veteran receiver who could have been a mentor to him, he didn't really listen to him. And he talks about that now. He's like, I was 21. I was angry. I was, but 21 is when you're like faster than when you're 35, when you got another shot to be good. But he, he, he couldn't, because of that ego, because of that, like, look at me. The church can't have, look at me, people. The church can't have, well, look at my, do, do, you, if you don't have my giftings, you guys are going to shut your doors. Okay. If you're the only thing keeping them open, that is fine with me. But all of these things, in closing, no matter who you are, if you are a member of the family of God, if you have said that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God has gifted you. The Spirit of God has given you a spiritual gifting. And that gifting is for the church. It is to build the church up. The church needs everybody functioning, everybody using their gifts, and everybody yielding to God's Holy Spirit. That's what the church needs. <clears throat> it's rarely happening. Um, I mean, it never happens perfectly, but, but even to function at 99%, is really, really rare. Some people know what that gift is. Some people don't know what that spiritual gifting is. But not participating at all in the body of Christ will bring dissatisfaction in your life. It's a proven deal. It can make one feel discontent, which can lead to other bad things. Sometimes people just get so mad and so the ego flares so much, like, I'm not ever going back to any church. I have seen that in the last few years with certain people. They have either been hurt too much or they think people didn't recognize them enough and they, they don't fellowship right now. The smallest gifting from the world's perspective will not be small in heaven. If you have what, what, what the, if you, if you polled a thousand Christians and you said, Hey, what's the lowest gift that you are aware of in terms of the spiritual giftings? If that is your gift, no matter what, it will not be small in heaven. Someone who is faithful to a ministry of prayer that no one else knows about will be rewarded. And there are many and have been many stories that people that have these prayer ministries, people found out about it after they died. And they realized some of the evangelists and the pastors were like, that was the fuel. That was why we were able to do anything at all. It was because of those people praying in that little basement of that church. And I'm talking, that's happened all over the world. There's tons of documentation of that. Many would say much more. Uh, I mean, that, that being rewarded is so much more than like Christian celebrity. It kind of turns my stomach, those two terms together. <laughs> Famous Christians, um, specifically actors and actresses. I find out, somebody goes, oh, did you know that this person was a Christian? I'm like, are you serious? Like, did they just get saved like five minutes ago? Because the last movie, I had to turn off within 30 seconds of that Christian. I've heard this my entire life, and I'm not even going to name the people. <clears throat> you guys know who these people are. Even younger people know who these people are. But once again, many would say 
this is much more necessary than Christian celebrity. We don't need any, I'm not going to name famous pastors, um, but we need so much more of that. These, these people just in obscurity, these, these, like we're off in this little room and nobody knows we're just interceding over here. And we're going to go and anybody who's a widow or an orphan or whatever, we're going to come and bring them a sack lunch today. Like so much more. We need so much more of that than pastors flying around to the, on their private jets to the next big thing. We need so much more of that. <clears throat> Matthew eleven eleven, Jesus said, I assure you of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. I love this verse. Because to me, you look at John the Baptist and you look at Paul and you're like, John the Baptist is essentially the last prophet and Paul's the all-star of the New Testament, according to me. I'm just, you know, he's, he's not and he wouldn't want me to say that. But when you look at Paul, you're like, wow, awesome. And he says, I'm the chief of sinners. And John the Baptist's life in public ministry was very brief in the scheme of things and it was very difficult. And to eat locusts. They could have at least been chocolate covered, but they weren't. Jesus said, I assure you of all who have ever lived, None is greater than John the Baptist, yet even the most insignificant person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. How does that work? Because everything down here works basically the opposite of up there and vice versa. Anything you, you like, man, the world needs this. The world's so messed up. It's the opposite up there. It's the absolute opposite of there. So if you're like, if you look at this world and you're like, man, this world's amazing and it's great and it's wonderful and everybody's awesome you may not be looking through the right lens down here. I don't know how anybody can say that, but there are people who are disillusioned that might say that. But as a Christian, you might go, man, it's bad out here. It's just rough. People are, people are, they're stuck in their ego. They're stuck in self. They're stuck in, yeah, perilous times. Second Timothy, read it. It's exactly what is going on right now. Every single word of in the last days, this will happen. It's like America, 2023. That's perilous times. So it tells us that not only do we see things, uh, excuse me, not to see things through worldly lenses, God sees everything, everything you do, good and bad, and he rewards accordingly. Practice the gift that God has given you. No matter who you are here, get into it with him. If you don't know what it is, get into it with him. Start praying about it. God will show you. Sometimes you find out your spiritual gifting in the rear view. You're like, every time I ever did that, I was the most fulfilled and I was the most happy. And when I did, you know, you, you may not know anything about your giftings and you're like, well, I went on a few missions trips and I've never felt so good as when I did these VBSs with kids. Maybe you're for children's ministry. Shocker. I mean, like God shows us stuff like in the rear view. He really does. No matter how big or how small you may think your gifting is, it was given to you to help all of us in the family of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for um, this this text, and uh, God, it's uh, it's good to hear um, that you have jobs for all of us. And uh, Lord, if we're not uh, currently in that position, may we move toward that position with you, um, God, that we may inquire. And to um, that's what the relationship with you is about. As you lead us, you will lead us into those giftings. And uh, we don't need a chart, we don't need uh, a test online, but we just need you. And uh, God, we thank you for the diversity, God, that you made all people. So, of course, diversity is a wonderful thing. And of course, we need it. That we need people from all walks of life. We need people from all countries of the world to make up this church. God, you died for all and you love all. In Jesus' name, amen.